In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all the children and the teens up through the 12th grade please come forward. Sound like Charlie Brown to y'all. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. So we are in what season again? Remind me. Advent. Advent. And Advent means to prepare ourselves. And the church, the church, for two thousand years, has. Uh, prepared and, and, and experienced and, and shown us ways to prepare ourselves for the Lord for when he comes again because Jesus will come again. That's his promise. He will come again. We can depend on that. We just don't know when. But he's coming again. We've got to realize that he is coming. We've got to be ready. And so Advent... The, 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 the church has all these seasons, and Advent is one where we pay close attention to preparing ourselves to receive Jesus. Now, we're supposed to be prepared all through the year, right? But Advent is especially the time when we prepare to receive Jesus. It's like someone very, very, very important coming to your house for dinner. Your mama going to let you wear pajamas for that? No. No. You're going to just wear um, short pants or maybe one sock on and no shoes on. You're going to get dressed up. If somebody really, really, really important is coming for dinner, do you get dressed up? No. <laughs> no. Do, you put on, do you put on nice clothes, put it that way? I mean, I'm not talking about a suit and tie and a gown, you know. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just really nice clothes. You get ready for this very important person coming. Well, the most important person in all the world and outside the world is coming. He is coming. And I think we've got to prepare ourselves, not necessarily by the clothes we wear, but what's going on in here. This is what we prepare. We prepare our hearts. And, and how do we prepare our hearts? Give me some examples. Pray. Pray. A great example. Sing. Sing. Sing, that's right, to sing praises to God. Read the Bible. Great examples. Those, these are wait and come to church. You're here right now, right? You're preparing to receive the Lord. Now he comes, he's going to come on that great day in the clouds with all of his angels. He's going to come. In two weeks, we're going to celebrate his first coming when he was a little bitty baby and grew up and died and rose again so that we might be in heaven with him. Today, he comes to us in the, in, in the word spoken in the Bible and in the sacrament of the body and blood of Christ. He comes to us in that way today. 
but we wait for that great day. We prepare ourselves to get ready every single day. Every day we prepare ourselves because we don't know when he's coming. It could be tonight or it could be 100 years. But we don't know. He knows. We don't know. But we have, we've got to be ready, okay? Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. All right. Thank you for coming up. You can go back and get a packet if you want to from Mr. Music over there. You can color. Thank you, sir. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It's always tough following the children's sermon. <laughs> he sums mine up in a real short period of time. So last week, Father Stan lit the first candle and he talked to us about hope. And today we lit the second candle and we mentioned as we lit the second candle, peace. And so when John is out in the wilderness, he's drawing crowds of people from Jerusalem and from Judea and the surrounding territories. He's drawing people who are not at peace. He's drawing people whose hearts are distressed, whose cries to the Lord for relief seem to them to fall on deaf ears. They're living in a world of desperation where it appears to them that everything around them is falling apart. And they come to John the Baptist because he is providing hope. For them, the hope of a coming Messiah. Messiah which you know and I know will be born in Bethlehem as a small child, an infant. But of course you know this is not what they were expecting they were expecting a warrior messiah to come riding to the rescue to solve all of their problems and to leave them in joy and peace forever. But listen to the words of John the Baptist because John the Baptist calls on the people who come to hear him to repent for the kingdom of God is near. You and I know that the kingdom of God is here now, today. That Christ is with us. That he is amongst us. And yet, how troubled our hearts often find themselves.
how bumpy our life's path seems to be. Where is the peace? So John speaks to his people about repentance, the confession of sin, the turning away from sin, and then following Christ. Following the one who is to come, the one whose sandals he's not worthy to carry. And so all that John can do is offer hope. He offers baptism. He offers them an opportunity to prepare the way of the Lord by confessing their sins and turning away from those sins and pursuing a new life dedicated to God. The king is coming The king is near. Make straight the pathways. Fill in the potholes. Smooth out the road. He's coming to your village. He's coming to judge. Clean the town of all graffiti. Sweep up the cobwebs out of the corner. Pick up the trash and put it where it belongs. The king is coming. And we are preparing not our, just our physical outward town. We are preparing our inward hearts. Prepare your heart for the coming of God. You know, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount said that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to eternal life. So you will notice he does not promise us that peace and joy will come at the beginning of the journey. The narrow and difficult path leads to the narrow gate through which we enter into heaven and claim the promises that are ours. And they're ours because just as Isaiah has said to his people in his time that a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit in its time, in that day when Jesus comes, so too are we called, as Paul describes it, we are grafted onto the tree. And as such, as the church, as the people of God, we too have the claim to those promises. And we too are called to bear fruit in his kingdom now. Because when John spoke, Jesus was not yet here. 
But Jesus has now come and he's offered us salvation. And he's called us not just to repentance, but to follow him down that narrow and difficult path that leads to the gate of eternal life. And we're promised that if we follow him, if we commit with our hearts to keep our eyes on Jesus, that no matter how many times we fall down and get back up, no no matter how many times we wander off the path and come back, that as long as we follow Jesus to the gate and not, the door will be opened to us to enter into that eternal peace and joy which God has promised. And so, when we look at what John the Baptist has to say to his people in preparation for the coming of the baby Jesus, he says to them, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He actually says that to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he's saying that to all of us because all of us are sinners. Bear fruit in keeping with our repentance. You know, Advent is a time of reflection. That's part of the preparation of the heart for the coming of Jesus. And when we look inward, when we look into the mirror that reflects back to ourselves, our spiritual life, I won't talk about what you see. Let me talk about what I see. I see a sinner who is not yet perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I see a person who's under construction. I see a person who is traveling along the narrow and difficult path. I have potholes left to fill in. I've got graffiti left to cleanse. I've got some cobwebs that need to move out of the way so that when I knock on that door, I will be prepared. This is the life of sanctification. Once we are saved, we're at the beginning of a journey, not at the end. Now we are called to follow Jesus. And now we're called to serve in his kingdom. Jesus uh, is going to say to us that we should seek first the kingdom of God. And then we will receive the joy and the peace that comes with being part of the kingdom. Once we begin to bear fruit, we will experience uh, the peace and the knowledge that Christ is with us. That it's not us producing the fruit. It's the Holy Spirit in us that is producing the fruit. And when we look back and we examine our lives, we don't see perfection. But we do see God at work. 
we see that God is at work transforming our hearts. We see that we have been changed. That we are being changed. And we have the hope, in fact the expectation, that the Holy Spirit will continue to change us until that day when we are prepared for the joy and the peace of eternal life. I, I can't help, as I'm looking at the words of John the Baptist, I can't help but reflect back upon my favorite verses in the Bible from James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. James says to us, that we should count it all as joy when we meet trials in our lives. You see, the journey is difficult. The path is narrow. And James goes on to tell us that we're counting it as joy because we see the evidence as our faith is tested that we are, in fact, being transformed. Our faith is being strengthened. And James says that that faith produces endurance, sometimes translated steadfastness, as we read in the verses today. And that steadfastness or endurance, if we allow it to have its full effect, will leave us at the end of our journey perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But it's not just James that has that to say. If I turn instead to Paul in Romans, he says it this way, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. But he goes further because he says that endurance produces character and character produces hope. And after all, hope from last week is what leads to peace and joy in our lives. Paul says that God has been pouring his love into our hearts. In another place, he says to us that as we put to death the old self, little by little as we journey along the way, that he will pour his love into our hearts, right? And transform us into the likeness of Christ. We put to death the old self and we put on Christ. So, he goes on to say, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Peter, because I don't want to leave out Peter, just in case you, you don't like James or you don't like Paul, let me do Peter. Peter says to you, rejoice for a little while. Because it's necessary that you have been grieved by various trials. So that the testing of the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, 
will be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter who we look to. If we look to Jesus, if we look to, if we look to James, if we look to Paul, if we look to Peter, the message, as you already knew, is the same. If we look for peace in our lives, the path, which is difficult, runs by following Jesus. And so I want to go back then this morning to the words of to the words of Paul in our reading from Romans today. So here's what he says in Romans 15 starting at verse 4 for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction and as we listened to the children's sermon this morning, we heard that one of the ways that we could prepare ourselves is through that instruction. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Let me just remind you when we think about the gifts of the Spirit that we're looking to display in our lives, that two of the key characteristics that we ought to be displaying to one another, after all Christ said, they will know us by our love, for one another. So, the things that we should be looking for is that we love one another. And I don't just say it to you. I mean it when I say that I love you. As Christ loves you. And we're called to love one another. And we're called to encourage one another. And we're called to lift one another up when we fall. And we're called to encourage one another to come back when we stray away. So we encourage one another to self-examination in this period of Advent. Paul goes on, I'm sorry, yes, Paul goes on to say, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify God. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Paul, in another place, talks about coming to the communion rail. 
And if you remember that you have something against a neighbor, go first and reconcile with that neighbor. And then, see that's confess, reconcile, turn away from, follow Jesus to the rail. And then you will receive peace. And then you will receive the lifting of a burden. And then you will experience joy. And you don't have to wait for those experiences until you knock on the door. If you are preparing your heart for the kingdom of God, it exists here, it exists now, it exists in the midst of this place among these people. And when you do that, you will experience the love and peace of God. Let us pray. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope and peace and joy. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.